Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt. All right, welcome once again to Tax Justice Warriors. I am your co-host, William Schmidt, Clinic Director at Legal Aid of Western Missouri. Andrew Belter, Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic Director at Wisconsin Judicare. We're changing our name. That's why I kind of got rattled. Oh, what's what's the what's the name change to? I think it's gonna be Wisconsin Judicare Legal Aid. Just to because people we say Judicare all the time and people have no idea what it what it is. So all right. Well let's let's get that word out there. <laughs> okay. So Andrew, I've I had been brainstorming a, a few ideas that I wanted to talk over with you on on today's episode. So my first one is on the ABA listserv for the pro bono and tax clinics group. There was there's a little bit of discussion of when you're representing one individual and actually that individual then is a widow and so, so most likely we're, we're representing the wife in, in this situation that the husband has died. And so the wife was the secondary taxpayer on the joint tax return. So in my experience, I have done, submitted the 2848 and then I was trying to get the client into currently not collectible status and calling in to the IRS, they were saying, well, I need to have the wife file a 2848 on behalf of the husband's estate, signing on behalf of that before they would be moving forward. And I, th- I think I was getting close on currently not collectible status for the client, but I don't think it has progressed. So I thought I would check with you on your experience with this or or kind of what what brainstorming we can do in this situation. First of all, I want to say, I think this is a new thing that they're enforcing because my divorce clients in the past, I've never had pushback when I wanted to look at a, a joint account and you know try and get them into currently not collectible if they were secondary and things like that and now i'm getting such pushback just to even discuss a a joint year and i find a mind mind blowing i they wouldn't talk to me my client said that they wouldn't talk to her about it even which i thought was ridiculous and i have no reason to doubt my client and right now we're trying just trying to get a a client and currently not collectible. And I know they can do it. I know they can mirror the account. And because I looked at the IRM and this person said, no, we can't do that because she's secondary. And I thought, what is going on? So I also bring this up because in the past, I ran into widow cases where we needed to get the deceased spouse's income information. So then we had to file 2848 in that 
for the deceased person to get their income information to file a joint return. And I never had any pushback then either, but filing a 2848 for a deceased person, I think from what I remember, now I could be totally wrong, so I might be leading people astray, but I thought they accepted it with a marriage certificate, a death certificate, and yeah, I think that's what I think that's what it was. And you know, if it listed the the spouse on the death certificate, I don't know if it would list it on the death certificate, but just to show enough proof that to show that it is the spouse, and then just signed as the the, the spouse just signs. I think that worked once or twice for me. Yeah, I'll I'll admit I haven't really done any independent research, but from my memory of of the Internal Revenue Manual that, I mean, either spouse, if they are on the account, then they should be able to access the account. And I mean, I I was a little bit frustrated by the pushback to to try and get the wife who, who is now widowed to to be in currently not collectible status you know why you know since since she's a person on the joint account you know why why they can't do anything there with without more paperwork it just really floored me has this ever happened to you before i don't i don't think so but i don't know i i just i also find it just so weird how they do things with joint accounts and the mirroring of accounts with innocent spouse or whatever that, I mean, I, I think it's so weird in their system that to me, if, if you have access for a person's account, then they should be able to pull up any of the years that, that they're on there. And I mean, I, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't get why, why they have such problems like, oh, this was mirrored or, oh, oh, this was on the regular account, like, I mean, I get that they're dealing with decades old software in different cases. And I mean, I, I don't know what they're looking at, but to me, there, there ought to be some kind of cross-referencing or, or something that like some easy way to say like, okay, yes, this is how much your client owes for 2018 or, or whatever, but. And that's the, the I now that you mentioned it, that's a weird thing too, where they would tell me how much my client owed, but that was it. As soon as I started trying to talk about more, it's like we can't talk to you about that. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, this was a productive conversation. <laughs> yeah, and I I don't know how much to to go back to whether these are new people in their training or, or yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It, it could be a new policy of some sort, but, you know, I'm, I'm never quite clear on like why a policy like that would be put in place then. I have no idea, but I just know it's happened to me on two different cases in the past month or two. And it's never happened to me before. And I've, the odds of me having a, a, a situation of having, 
having the, the secondary, only the secondary as a client for the past, what, four or five years that I've done this, probably pretty high. So I can't, I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. And it sounds like other people are having the same problem. Yeah, I'll, I'm sure I'll be double checking if, if like there are any SAMs submitted on that. But, you know, yeah, I, I think that's, it's got to be a widespread issue since people were talking about it. I mean, it might be worth, worthwhile to try and get a, ask them, can I submit a 2848 signed by my client for the deceased spouse? If I include a marriage certificate and a death certificate, you know, they might accept. I, cause I, they somehow they accepted on my case, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. It is, it bugs me that it's like, here's another barrier for widowed clients and. Or clients who had a nasty divorce and literally can't get permission from an ex-spouse. I know that's one thing about my client is that we don't want to talk to the ex-spouse. So how could this person actually get in currently not collectible status that they won't discuss the account? Well, yeah, and there is, there's been domestic violence clients with innocent spouse and so on that, you know, I've, I've had, well, at least one, maybe more clients who said, no, I don't even want to submit the form because I don't want the IRS contacting my ex and, and anything coming back on me or my family. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't think in an IRS policy of, of having people trying to reach out to their, their exes is, is a good idea. So what do we do? How do we get around this? Um, I I, th- I think a Sam's is is in order. I'll uh, submit a Sam's tomorrow. Yeah, and we can I can double check on the list, sir, if if anyone mentioned that. But yeah, definitely the more people who pile on regarding something like that, the better. I don't have a widowed case, so I can't do that. But I'll do an ex-spouse. Well, I have a widow, so yeah. And just to go on a tangent real quick with one of my ex-spouse cases. So she was married to husband one in 2011 or something. Then they got divorced, married to husband two, let's say 2015. Somehow she got put on the husband two's 2011 account. Hmm. And this is, this is kind of where this came, this situation came up for me where I was trying to get information about this 2011 and and she filed jointly with her husband one. And that's what came up on the transcript. So I was trying to get information about this, this, because she owed like $5,000. She owed $5,000 on husband two's joint account for 2011. And I couldn't get any information about it. I had to go to Taz and say, look, she was not married to this guy in 2011, but could I get any information about it to help explain it to her? Nope, nothing. Hmm. Yeah, that just makes it frustrating. Also, another side comment. I don't think the IRS and the government are ever gonna upgrade their systems. This year? 
No, no, they're never. I don't think they ever are gonna because I was thinking about it, and I bet you no one can hack, you know, like the IRS system because it's so old school. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, I'll, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll take the opposite side that, you know, are, are they able to maintain their system, and do they have people who you know, like if if they're using old computer software, then you know the people who can repair it or or update it, fix it, patch it, whatever they're they're not going to be available anymore after after a time. You know, people retiring or or dying that used to know old computer software. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be doing this LITC stuff. No, that's that's a valid point. Learning obsolete computer software. Yes. <laughs> There's a future in there, huh? Probably. But no, I don't know what to do about this whole secondary on a joint account thing. It's actually a little sad and frustrating. Yeah. Well. Okay, here's here's another potential Sam's submission. And so maybe maybe I should be submitting one of these or or both. So when I've I found out where I was talking to the local taxpayer advocate and she was letting me know that um, I had a list of clients that I couldn't get transcripts for, and she was telling me that, that there were some that I was connected through the, the power of attorney and some I was not. So, I mean, that's an issue when, when you're trying to look up transcripts, I, I normally think, oh, I don't have transcripts. So if I call the practitioner priority service for something, I'm, I'm probably not going to get anywhere. But I, I think it's a little bit of a, a guessing game if you know whether I have access in in talking to the IRS or not if if I'm not sure I mean if if I'm not seeing transcripts I mean I would feel weird then with a list like oh do I do I have access to, to this person has their 2848 been processed or not and then having to ask them to send me the transcripts. I mean, it, it just, I guess it feels again to me like here's another thing where maybe someone in the CAF unit has processed part of the 2848 and maybe not checked a box or, or something allowing transcripts. I mean, I, I don't know, but again, this this is some kind of frustration that that I'm wondering about consistency within the IRS. So you, when you do it, do you get any transcripts for the person? Well, I, th I think this was another listserv discussion, like, like submitting for a husband and wife on the same day, and I have access to the wife's transcripts, but not the husband's. So do I call a PPS and ask about the husband? Now, I mean, like, you know, what's what's the explanation that 
they were submitted the same day, filled, filled out entirely the same, why can I access one of them and not, not the other? I wish I could tell you. No, it's, it's, I know sometimes, we, I, we were talking before the podcast that sometimes I will not know what their, my client's act, like official name is, if there's two last names or hyphenated. So I have to try different variations. And then eventually I just will give up and I'll call PPS. And when you were talking, I thought sometimes I do get partial transcripts almost. Like I have like half the years and then the other half, for some reason, I don't, I don't have, just like you said, like someone maybe missed checking a box. So yeah, yeah it can be a little inconsistent. Yeah. I've, I've had it where like, I don't know, let's, let's say I asked, 2005 through 2020 and then I would have access for like 2001 to 2004 you know just odd yeah. stuff like that and it's like and and then I'd be like well I guess I have to resubmit uh, a 2848 for them to fix it and then it wouldn't get fixed so it's especially uh, bad right now because I cannot get through to PPS Oh yeah, on on Friday I called like three different ways for for clients, like for two different clients, and all of the responses were, you know, we cannot help you due to excessive call volume. So yeah, I, I wasn't able to get through. I was just about to say my greatest success has been on Fridays. But it didn't work this past Friday. I called, I actually I called and I got connected, but it was so choppy and such a bad line that I I hung up because I was like, no way am I gonna talk to someone on this phone line. And then I called back and it said, due to excessive, we can't call you back. And I thought, well, maybe that was a poor choice, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I tried calling the state on a client and it was like 40 some minutes and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try the IRS calls. And then when I got back to the state, it was an hour wait. So in, in the meantime, it, it increased by 20 minutes. So, you know, sometimes if, even if it's a long wait time, maybe it's better to just go with that rather than and then there's the the randomly dropped calls or the IRS agent who might, you know, not, who might hang up on you uh, on accident or on purpose. I don't know. It's a very frustrating time, but I'm hoping that it'll get better in a week. They'll put some people back on these other phone lines. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, they're, they're putting out the call to to hire more people, so hopefully they'll they'll get them trained and on the phones. Okay, one one other topic to throw out there. I had another LITC clinic director contact me about a client who had some criminal tax issues, and so I I just wanted to talk over with you like 
I mean, my my main thing is that if if it really is getting into the realm of criminal tax, you know, that's that's really not what we do within a an LITC. So often when when I'm when I'm seeing some kind of indication of that in the client's issues, I have I have a couple local contacts that I'll probably refer them the the client over there. You know, just for one, wanting to avoid malpractice or any of that. But like, yeah, there was a my biggest story about this is that I had a client who who contacted me about helping him with tax court. And I was like, you know, telling him to to send me the paperwork. And he was like, well, I'll I'll just bring it to you. I, I want to meet in person. And he he came in and he had all this stuff about criminal investigations and wanted me to be on this this conference call with them. And I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I list, was listening in or or something that that it was like a question of whether I would represent him. And like I was I was telling him at the end, like, no, this this is out of my depth. I'm like I. I gave him a referral to to a local tax attorney who who had criminal tax experience, but I was like, you know, I'm I'm not representing you. And I mean, maybe the controversy was above the the LITC limits. To I I don't remember, but we yeah. can't take tax criminal tax. I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that wasn't my. I wasn't planning to. It was. It was just like he showed up and wanted me to to be on this conference call, and you know, was was wanting me to represent him with with tax court. And I was like, you know, no, this this isn't. You know, now now that I knew what his case was, I was like, no, I'm I'm not doing that. So I was just just thought I'd bring it up since I had another. You know, another director contacting me, and I, I guess this person may have had both civil and criminal. I, I learned about the her client's criminal case, and so you know it, it was involved. And so I was I was telling her, you know, yeah, find find someone to refer it out to. Don't don't keep it in in the tax clinic. So I was, I was just curious if you had any experiences or or how you approach criminal tax cases if if they show up at your clinic? I would dig deep for a referral, I guess. One, I would definitely say, this is a matter I cannot help you with. Literally not allowed to help you with this. It's a line I use all the time about filing current year tax returns to avoid clients being upset at me. I say, look, Literally, my grant does not allow me this. Yeah. So I probably do that with the criminal tax matter. Then I was, yeah, I, I love, I love blaming the the grant, blaming the, just blame the grant. Just I can't do this because of the grant. Yeah. And yeah, then I would probably refer it out. I don't know anyone to refer it out to. I don't even. I couldn't. I probably couldn't even give like a brief consult or any pointers because I don't know anything about criminal tax but i don't know i'm guessing it's not in tax court it's in federal court 
Is it? Um, I mean, the, the one who had contacted me years ago, I, I'm pretty pretty sure it was in tax court, but I don't know. And and like, yeah, there there had been another lady who had been in prison, but still had a tax court case. So I had I had advised her. Yeah, she she would give like. I don't think it it actually was Botox, but it was it was like that kind of injections. And she had had plastic surgery done, and it it was just weird to look at her. Like she was pretty, but looked fake, you know. So I was I was just like, you know, no, I'm not I'm not taking your case. <laughs> like e even though there, I don't think there were any criminal issues anymore but i mean it, it was just such a mess that i think i, I was think, so i did a quick search because i was curious where, where criminal tax is heard i guess u.s tax court u.s district court or the u.s court of federal claims does that yeah. sound right for criminal case tax cases uh possibly i mean uh, a lot of times they're going to be in district court with with the Department of Justice, I would think, or or criminal investigations. I'm going to do some research because I'm actually very curious about this now. Sure. But yeah, I mean, so so the point anyway is that if if you're getting a criminal tax case at your LITC, not to not to take the case, to refer it out if you can, but. Just thought I'd, I'd check and see if you had any other nuggets of wisdom. Just the blame it on the grant. Yeah. I I blame it on the rain, usually. Oh. <laughs> like, like Millie Vanilli told me, but <laughs> yeah. And that's the same with, with business. Sometimes people come with business tax issues. Can't really do that either, so I'm going to they're personally liable, but that's another one I've encountered and then just got to gently turn them down. Yeah, there, there are definitely some clients who, I mean, you can tell that their case is complex enough that they're going to take all your attention. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing. I mean, they, they may fit within the parameters of the clinic, but, you know, is, is it worth taking all of your time at, at the expense of the other clients, that's, that's something to weigh, you know, in, in just how much attention they need. But yeah, I don't know. That's, that's what I've found with like tax court clients with, with a lot of documentation in their case, a lot of receipts and, and that kind of thing. Right now there's a cryptocurrency issue in one of my cases. And they didn't put the cost basis for one of the cryptocurrencies. So it shows a profit, even though the client probably lost money on, on, on all this. And I guess, now correct me if I'm wrong, I guess, that, and that you're, you're talking about complicated matters made this like click in my head. For each one of his trades, I have to know the when he bought it, the cryptocurrency, 
to then look up what it was on that date to find the cost basis. And then I can get a real tax return completed for him. I mean, I that, think yeah. I have to fill out a schedule B. Is that what it is? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And follow the instructions for cost basis, not, uh, not reported to IRS. Sounds complicated. Take up too much of my time. Yeah. You'll figure it out. I uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I believe in you, Andrew. <laughs> okay. Well, those were the topics. Anything else to, to discuss? No, I think it was good. Submit Sam's for this whole married filing jointly phenomenon. Criminal tax. LITCs cannot take it. And my brain is blanking on the second topic we covered. Yeah, the um, I may do a Sam's on. Oh, transcripts. Trans yeah, if yeah. You have access, but you can't get access to the transcripts. You know, yeah. I I don't know if I don't know how much how much TAS would do about it in a in a Sam's, but it's worth bringing to their attention as a a system wide issue. Because that is especially now with being unable to contact PPS, these transcripts are pretty much the only thing that we can use. Yeah, I, I went th through my client list and it was it was a pretty low number on who I am able to access transcripts to. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's, I mean, part of it, there's been turnover here. So I don't know if I'm on all the, the 2848s but but still, there are different ones that, that I should have access to and, and don't. And you use the online yeah. submission? Yep. Huh. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So on that note, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Andrew. 431, clock out. Sounds good. Have a good day. You too. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.